Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima allamtana. Wazidna ilman wa amalan ya Rabbil Alameen amma ba'd. So we're continuing with Surah Taha, which is the 20th chapter. So if you have a copy of the translation, it's going to be page 171. And we will eventually continue from verse 108. But I'd like to start just a few verses before, just to pick up some momentum and kind of find our footing in the context of what the surah is talking about. Inshallah. So let's start from verse 105. Bismillah. Go ahead. And if they ask you, O Prophet, about the mountains, then say, My Lord will wipe them out completely. Leaving the earth's level and earth, it's neither dispersion nor elevation to the same. Jazakumullah khair. Yeah, this, uh, these three verses are speaking about the mountains on the Day of Judgment. And, you know, before the break, we spoke about this, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions how the non-Muslims came to the Prophet And the Prophet was telling them about, after death, they'll be resurrected. They'll be given life again. They'll have to answer to Allah. Everything will be destroyed. So they came and they said, okay, fine. If you say humans will be destroyed and then they'll be resurrected and all that, okay, maybe. What about these mountains right here? Like, mountains are powerful. What about them? What's Allah going to do to them? And so Allah commands the Prophet ﷺ to tell them, then say, يَنْسِفُهَا رَبِّي نَسْفَ My Lord will wipe them out completely. Leaving the earth level and bare. Now this is like driving the point home. That, when, that Allah will flatten the mountains. And then the, the, the verses coming after, the next two verses, emphasize that when Allah flattens the mountains, there's not even going to be any little bumps, you know, crevices or anything. Flat and bare. What's the message? When someone reads that, and, and they're picturing the Day of Judgment, right? The day when mountains will be flattened. Mountains which are usually what? Which are usually signs of, or when you think about a mountain, you think of something powerful. You think of something majestic. Anyone ever like been out to, the, to Banff or anywhere else and kind of just stood there in awe? You know, one person described to me that when they were out in Banff, they were like, I just felt so insignificant. Like, I've always heard, you know, as humans, we're not really... In our minds, we can think the world revolves around us, but we're reminded, like, you know, you're not that important. And they said that in that moment, as I stood there in front of those mountains, like, the reality of that, like, hit me. 
Like, what am I? Who am I? Allah has far greater and more magnificent creations than me. And what can humans do about it? Like, with small mountains, maybe humans can try to, like, build tunnels through them. Sometimes, just like, humans give up and be like, we're just going around it. You know what I mean? We're not even going to try and go through it. We'll just go around it. And so then the road just takes you all this way to finally get to your destination. Mountains are extremely powerful. So when you hear on the Day of Judgment that even mountains will be flattened, what comes to mind? Anyone want to share? What does that mean for anything that's related to you? Yeah. Okay. So the flattening of the mountain is the flattening of any differences that we might see in the world today. So no, nobody who thinks they're great will be, will continue to stand as though they're great. If someone feels that they're great, Allah is telling them, you'll also be flattened. You'll also be, you will have no significance in front of God. Today you think you have significance. Even mountains will not have significance on that day, let alone you. Right, right. Will there be anything that you could rely on? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so that so when the mountains are flattened, now humans could be resurrected and, and they can stand on that flat ground. You're saying, okay, okay. I mean, technically, they could just be resurrected onto a mountain too, right? It's possible. Um, that's possible. But yeah, the idea that nothing will, will have any prominence. You know how mountains have prominence on land? Like you have flat land, and then you have mountains, and they stand out. On the Day of Judgment, everything will be flattened. Nothing will have prominence in front of God. Not even the mountains. Does that make sense? Okay, let's continue insha'Allah. Now Allah will speak about the people on the Day of Judgment from verse 108. Bismillah. On that day, all followers will call out for assembly, and none will dare to relate. All voices will be harsh as well the most compassionate. Only whispers will be heard. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. This is, mashallah, Dr. Mustafa, he's done a really, uh, a really good job, mashallah, in bringing out the spirit of the verses too. On that day, all will follow the caller for assembly. Meaning, in many ahadith, in many prophetic narrations, we hear that human beings will be resurrected from their graves. Right? So people will be in their graves when they're buried in this life, when they pass away and they're buried, they remain in their graves till the final day. Either their graves will be gardens from the gardens of paradise, or they will be pits from the pits of, of the hellfire, from, from this dunya, from, from now. So, finally, when the, when the Day of Judgment comes, right, those of you who have maybe heard or read or studied about what's called eschatology, what happens in the hereafter, there will be a trumpet blown, and that first trumpet blow of the trumpet will destroy everybody, then it will be blown again, and people will be resurrected. 
So then the, the hadith, they describe how when people are resurrected, they're going to be in total chaos. They won't know where to go. They won't know what to do. Right? That's going to be a time where everything will be flat. In one large plane, all flat. That's going to be a time the Qur'an describes how people will run away from one another. Finally, some narrations mention that people will remain in the state of confusion and, and, and loss to the point that they're going to wish that the reckoning starts. Have you ever had, have you ever experienced where waiting is more painful than whatever you're waiting for? Let's say there's something negative that you don't like. Let's like, like an exam or something. And you have to wait for it. And the wait almost tortures you more than the actual... You're like, I just want to get it over with. You know what I'm talking about? I just want to get it over with. <coughs> the hadith describe people will be like that on the Day of Judgment. The waiting will be so painful and so anxiety-inducing that they're going to be like... Ya Allah, just, just start. If I have to go to Jahannam, like, okay. But I just, want, I just want a final answer here. I don't want to keep waiting. Anyways, eventually, this verse talks about a caller. A caller, perhaps from the angels, that will come and tell people, okay, go over here for reckoning. Go over here for reckoning. That's a, ter that's a terrifying thing. To have to now proceed... And stand before Allah and answer. So what, what might someone want to do in that situation? What might someone want to do? Think about a group of prisoners being taken towards a prison. And they're, they're told, go that way. Yeah. Right. Escape. Run the other way. Absolutely. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, On that day, they will all follow the caller. They will be in such fear that they will follow the caller. Whoever calls them, they will follow that person. Now, in Arabic, if you think about that would mean that without deviation, meaning they would... They would, they would go wherever the caller told them to go, they would go there. They will not deviate. Dr. Mustafa adds in this word. He says, and none will dare to deviate. That's actually not in the Arabic, like, like verbatim, if you think about it. La iwajala doesn't have the meaning of to dare to deviate. But understanding the spirit of the verse, Dr. Mustafa included this word. And none will dare to deviate. Meaning what? When do you even try to escape? When you think there's a possibility, right? When you believe that maybe it'll work. On that day, Allah is saying, it'll be so obvious to people that there'll be nowhere to go. There's no one else that will save them that they won't even try to deviate. They will proceed to their fate. And then Allah says, when everyone will come in front of Allah, when there will be a huge group of people now, all humans from the beginning to the end of time, they're all standing there. And you're in chaos. Usually when you have chaos, where people don't know what they're doing, what else do you have? You have a lot of 
When you have a room full of people who don't know what to do and they're confused and they're in chaos, what, what happens? You hear a lot of noise. Right? People asking each other, what's happening? What are you supposed to do? Allah says at that time when they finally come before Allah, وَخَشَعَتِ الْأَصْوَاتِ when they finally realize they're standing before their Lord, all their voices will be hushed. Before whom? In front of whom will, be the, will, will they be standing? Look at, look at the name Allah uses here. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Allah is describing what? The day of judgment. A day of, of horror, of fear. And he's talking about how people will eventually come and stand before him. And what name does he use to describe himself when he talks about us standing before him? What does he say? He says, وَخَشَعَتِ الْأَصْوَاتُ لِلْرَّحْمَانِ That all voices will be hushed before the most compassionate. SubhanAllah. Do you understand that? that you're going to have to stand before Allah. And it's going to be scary. But even in, even in that time, don't forget, you're standing before the most compassionate. Allah could have used any other name there. وَخَشَعَتِ الْأَصْوَاتُ لِلْجَبَّارِ وَخَشَعَتِ الْأَصْوَاتُ لِلْعَزِيزِ لِلْمُتَكَبِّرِ وَخَشَعَتِ الْأَصْوَاتُ لِلْرَّحْمَانِ Know that whatever is going to happen on that day, there will still be rahmah in it. Does that make sense? Now, why, why is that so important to us? Because sometimes human beings, when, we be, when they become enraged, what happens? Can you expect mercy from them? A lot of times, you can't. They're so mad, to expect mercy from them would be like, absurd. Why would they show mercy in this state? of rage, right? When someone's extremely angry, you don't tend to expect that maybe they'll show some mercy. But that's because they're out of control, right? That's because they're out of control. Their emotions have now taken over. What does Allah say? On that day, despite His anger, despite it being a day of, of horror and fear, don't forget that your Lord is still a Rahman on that day. وَخَشَعَتِ الْأَصْوَاتُ لِلْرَّحْمَانِ And voices will be hushed before the most compassionate. What's that also a sign of? When do voices go quiet? You know what's a really interesting... Uh, there's, this, uh, there's this idea that in this world, there are many concepts that we have that serve to help us understand what those concepts will be like in the hereafter. So you know how I'm, I'm talking about the hereafter, and I'm talking about standing before Allah, and how Allah will judge everybody? What do we have like that in this world? Where's Abdullah? Abdullah, what do we have? The question, <laughs> he's like, what is the question? The question is, I'm talking about, we're, talking, we're, we're reading about the Day of Judgment, where every day of judgment, judgment, where we're gonna stand before Allah, and Allah will judge. Right? And the verse we just read said, when everyone comes before Him, all will go silent. In this world, what setting do we have that 
to a certain extent resembles that. And I'm asking you for a very particular reason. Mr. Harvey Specter. A courtroom. A courtroom, no? A courtroom. What happens when the judge walks in? All rise. All rise, isn't it? And everyone rises. What happened to equality there, y'all? No, I'm just kidding. Um, all rise. Everyone has to rise. And then what? Order in the courtroom. You're not allowed to speak out of order. You're not allowed to speak when you want. Their quiet goes over the room. Right? It's a very interesting setting, if you think about it. It doesn't resemble a lot of other settings in our society. Have you thought about that? Everywhere else, you could speak up and say it's a free country. Right? It's a free country. It's my right. Freedom of speech. But like, when you step in that setting, what happens? It's like, no. If the judge tells you stay quiet, you stay quiet. There's a certain, in Arabic there's a word for this. There's a certain hayba. Hayba that you'll find in, in a courtroom. And that's like a, like, a, like, a, like a sense of awe. You know when you step in, people are like scared to speak. Um, people are worried. And it gives us an idea of, of what might judgment look like. And so the, the ayah says, all voices will be hushed before the most compassionate. In this world, people pray for like a compassionate judge, right? I hope the judge is nice. I hope the judge is not Judge Judy. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know Judge Judy? Y'all never grew up watching Judge Judy? Yeah? Anybody grow up watching it? You're not that old? Yes? Whoever put their hand up to expose their age, right? No, me too, man. Yeah. So, the idea is that we hope for a compassionate judge. Allah reminds us that He will be compassionate. Only whispers will be heard. And then, and then in that time, what do, we, what, do we, what do human beings try to do when they're stuck? What do we try to do usually? When your car breaks down, who do you call? Who do you call? Sorry? Your father, okay. What else? An auto mechanic or CAA or something, right? Yeah? A professional. How many of you guys, when you're looking to buy something, you're looking to maybe even buy it from a place where you know someone works and they get like an employee discount? What's the legendary discount in Cambridge? It's sport, sport Check, eh? How many people know the Sport Check discount? Yeah? Y'all know it? Yeah, mashallah. We look for people who can help us out when we're up against something. Either up against paying a large amount of money or something's broken down. We look for somebody like a hookup. What does Allah say? On that day, it's a terrifying day, you're standing in front of the judge, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe on that day we think, yo, I know somebody. You know what I mean? I know the imam's son. Right? I know the imam's daughter. It's like, no. Look what the next verse reminds us. Verse 109. Bismillah. On that day, no intercession will be of any benefit, except by those granted permission by the most compassionate. And whose words are agreeable to him. 
Right? On that day, no intercession will be of any benefit. Will be of any benefit. And that's, that's a pretty terrifying thought. To say, on that day, nobody can save anybody else. That's why the Prophet ﷺ, in one hadith, he gathered his family, his family members. And he told them, he told them, each of you needs to make an effort to please God. Yourselves. Because I won't be able to save you from Him and from His justice and punishment on that day. Just being the family member of the Prophet ﷺ. This is, this is the, the daughter of the Prophet. Ya Fatima bint Muhammad. Oh Fatima, the, the daughter of Muhammad, you must do good deeds for yourself so that you save yourself. Do you understand? No nepotism there. On that day, there will be no intercessions. However, Allah adds an exception. Right? Allah has an exception here. Except by those granted permission by the most compassionate. Again, Allah brings His name again. Ar-Rahman. The, the ones for whom Ar-Rahman grants permission. Only they will be allowed. What's the most famous intercession that will take place on that day? Yeah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yes. The intercession, what's known as al-shafa'atul uzma. That the, the, the great intercession by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is mentioned in authentic ahadith that are lengthy, famous ahadith where on the Day of Judgment, human beings will run to the various Prophets. And each Prophet will say, no, I can't, I can't intercede for you. I will not come before Allah and advocate on your behalf. Each one of them will be worried about a potential mistake they, they will have committed. You know what I mean? It's a famous hadith that comes towards the end of Riyadh al-Salihin. Um, finally, when the believers will come to the Prophet ﷺ and ask him for intercession, he will come before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, that's an amazing thing. The Prophet ﷺ never forgot his ummah in this world when he was here on earth, alive. And he'll not forget them on that day either. Do you understand? That's the day when nobody will help us. Our own parents will not help us. The Qur'an describes this in Surah Abasa. Right? That that's the day when يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ We got homies in the, in the world today. On that day we will run from the homies. And the homies will run from us. Do you understand? وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ A person will run from their mom and dad. وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِينَ And they will run from their spouse. How many people are married here? Show of hands. Who's married? One, two, three, okay, a few. Yeah? Anyone ever said forever and always? Everyone, said, everyone ever said that? Always and forever? The ayah tells us, not really. No, that's what it says. The day when a person will run away from their spouse and their kids. And their kids. Allah then says, Every one of them will be so preoccupied with their own situation 
They don't have time for nobody else. I'm busy. Trying to stand before Allah myself. I got no time to help you out. And on that day, Sayyiduna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam will still intercede on our behalf. You ever heard the hadith where he says, none of you will be a true believer until I am more beloved to you than everybody? La yu'minu ahadukum hatta akuna ahabba ilayhi min walidihi wa waladihi wa nasi ajma'i? You ever heard that hadith? How many of you have heard that hadith? Show of hands. That none of, no, none of you is a true believer until you love the Prophet ﷺ more than you love your parents and your children and everybody else. Have you ever questioned how that's possible? How could you love him more than everybody? We love those who benefit us, right? If someone helps you land a job, how do you feel? You feel grateful, you feel indebted, right? Someone helps you buy a house, you feel even more grateful and indebted. Someone helps you out of a really tough situation that you thought you were stuck in forever, and they helped you, how do you feel? The more benefit someone offers us, the more grateful we feel and the more indebted we feel, and the more we love them. The greatest benefit will come from the Prophet amongst creation, the greatest benefit. But on the day, and he says in one hadith, شَفَاعَتِي لِأَهْلِ الْكَبَائِرِ مِنْ أُمَّتِي This is such an... He, he clarified it, right? He said, my intercession will be especially for those who committed major sins from my ummah. Why would he say that? If we know that he's going to intercede, why would he clarify that? Because maybe there would be some from among his followers who would say, I don't know if his intercession will be for me. I wasn't a very good Muslim. I didn't exactly follow his teachings. I didn't really follow, I wasn't too particular about the commands of Allah. So maybe, maybe that intercession is not for me. And so he clarified and said it in particular. You know, he, he singled out and he said, my intercession will be, though, for, will be for those who committed major sins from my ummah. Shafa'ati li ahlil kaba'iri min ummati. And so, on that day, no intercession will be of any benefit except by those granted permission by the most compassionate and, and whose words are agreeable to him. Meaning, those whom Allah permits to speak. Allah gives them permission and allows them to speak. And when they speak, that Allah accepts their intercession. And so, it's really important in this world that we don't forget the man who never forgot us. That we don't forget the man who never forgot us. You know, there's a really beautiful hadith that I think we should never, we should never be able to move past. On one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ was sitting with his companions. And many of you will have heard this hadith, but it's always a reminder. He said, I wish, I wish, I wish I could have met my brothers and sisters. And the Sahaba, they said, Aren't we, 
aren't we your, your, your brothers and sisters? Isn't that who we are? And he said, no, antum ashabi. No, you're my companions. My brothers and sisters are those who came after me and who believed in me even though they never saw me. How is it that believers do not long for the one who longed to see them? And may Allah give us tawfiq then to read about him. You know, it's, uh, it would be a tragedy if we passed away having never read a biography of the Prophet Do you know what I'm saying? Make an intention, inshallah, that you will read at least once in your lifetime the biography of the Prophet To know who he was and his lifestyle. To know what happened in his life. And then I've mentioned this before too, to read the shama'il, the characteristics, the noble characteristics of the Prophet Some of the ulama they mention, you know when you read this book called the shama'il, al-shama'il al-muhammadiyya, and it's been translated, beautiful translations. You know 20 years ago, I think Muslims in North America could have made the excuse that we don't have good English translations. Because maybe 20 years ago, honestly speaking, we didn't have too many great translations of books. Now, subhanAllah, like, I would say a good number of books that Muslims should read are already translated, and they're like decent translations. So, the Ash-Shama'il al-Muhammadiyya has been translated, in a beautiful translation. If you open it up, you know it's really interesting, the very first bab, the very first chapter, is about the appearance of the Prophet And we're not talking about his dress, we're talking about his physical, like, how he physically looked in terms of his height, in terms of his hair, and like, you know, descriptions of his physical appearance. Why, why would you want to know that? What are you going to do with that information? Any idea? Like the scholars preserved that. But why would they preserve that? What would someone like you do with that knowledge? Any ideas? Yeah. Okay, definitely, definitely. It is solidifying the personality. Otherwise, it's just a prophet. Like you said, an abstract concept. Right. What else? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, reading about the physical appearance, um, we find how beautiful he was, and that would incline someone towards him. Sure, okay. Anything else? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, when you respect somebody, you want to know every single thing about them. Right. When you love somebody. Right. Absolutely. When you love someone, you want to know every detail about them. Now, that's fine. My question is, what do we do with it, though? Yeah, you want to know it, so you know it, and then what? Yeah. Okay, like to relate to him, right? Relatability, that he's also a human being at the end of the day, so, you know, we can see ourselves, you know, as we read his description. Okay, beautiful. Right, beautiful. Give, 
Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So throughout the Shema'il, there are different characteristics. Um, but when it comes to physical appearance, there's not much you can do. Like if he's a certain height, you know, unless you don't grow into that height, you're not going to be that height, right? Um, the scholars mention there's a few reasons. One is, if you see him in your dream, then you know it's him. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Man ra'ani fil manami faqad ra'ani fa inna shaytana la yatamathalu bi. The one who sees me in their dream has indeed seen me, because shaitan cannot take my form. Second, there's, there's the hadith about when believers will be in their graves. And then they're going to be asked three questions, three main questions. One will be, who is your Lord? One will be, what is your religion? What is your deen? What was your deen? And the final one, there are different narrations about the wording. In some narrations it says, مَنْ هَذَا الرَّجُلُ الَّذِي بُعِثَ فِيكُمْ مَنْ هَذَا الرَّجُلُ Who is this man? The word هَذَا is اسم الإشارة. Any Arabic students? Any Arabic students? اسم الإشارة. This is where you indicate to something. You say like, this is a foosball table, right? This, and you're pointing at something. So he said, the hadith says that the question will be, who is this man? What would they be pointing at? The angels who are asking this question, what would they be pointing at? And so some of the commentators mention that an image of the Prophet ﷺ will be presented to them. And, and the question will be asked, مَنْ هَذَا الرَّجُلُ الَّذِي بُعِثَ فِيكُمْ And the ones who have read his description and know what he looked like will be able to recognize when they see the picture. Do you understand? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so may Allah give us tawfiq to really to study his biography and his shama'il. Okay, let's read. Um, let's read one more verse. Right. Allah Ta'ala says going, that He fully knows what is ahead of them. Meaning, people will be in disarray, people will be in, in, in chaos. Allah will know what's coming ahead. Right? And Allah will know what, what they've done in the past, in this world. And, and so Allah will know everything. And yet these people will not know anything about what their fate is to be. These people will not know, these people meaning us, we will not know what is to befall us. We will not know what, what judgment Allah will pass. We will be completely in the dark. And so Allah is drawing a contrast on that day of His power, of His majesty, of His knowledge, and of our utter, utter impoverishment, our utter feebleness and inability to do anything to defend ourselves. Now I want to just finish with one quick reminder, inshallah. How many of you guys, when you guys, when y'all read the about the day of judgment, you it it kind of it kind of worries you, and it kind of yeah, it's 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 worrying. How many people feel that way? Show of hands. And you know that's that is one of the one of the reactions that is desired uh, when we hear about the day of judgment. But it's also a reminder. And for those who've been wronged, 
This is so important to them. It's also a day of justice. It's also a day of justice. You know, sometimes in this world, we don't receive the justice that we want. We don't receive the justice that we want for whatever reason. The day of judgment, it's a reminder that along with all the fear and the terror and the horror, it's also a day when there will be justice. And those who are seeking and longing for justice, they'll receive it on that day. And it's also a day of mercy. It's also a day of mercy. I think it's really beautiful. While we read about all of this fear, there are so many ahadith where we're told about Allah's mercy on that day. And so we need to read both, right? I don't want y'all leaving Friday night here and having nightmares. That's not the goal. Alright? There's a famous hadith where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in hadith Qudsi that He has divided His mercy into a hundred parts. And only one part of that mercy has He sent into this world. All the acts of mercy that you see around you in this world, those are all from that one part. You know when a mother shows mercy to her child and compassion? You know when human beings show compassion to one another? Or they show compassion to an animal? Or one animal shows compassion to another animal? Every act that you see, that takes place, that has taken place, and will continue to take place, every act of mercy is all from that one part. That's, that's a hell of a lot of mercy, no? There's a lot of mercy that's happening. Right? Every time, inshallah. You know, parents when they go home, they show mercy to their kids. Before the kids go to sleep, you kiss them goodnight. That's an act of compassion and more mercy. Right? These are all acts of mercy. It's all from that one part. 99 parts will be reserved for the Day of Judgment. Now, do y'all feel a little bit more hopeful? Okay. Hey, that's, 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 that's something. Umar is a famous saying attributed to him. Where he said that, if I were told that on the Day of Judgment, everybody would be going to paradise except me, I fear I would be that person. And he said, if I was told that everybody was going to the hellfire except one person, I'm hopeful that I might be that person. The idea that the human lives between hope and fear. You understand? We maintain hope, but we don't become complacent, and we don't also become overly confident. So you keep trying, you keep pushing. And honestly, honestly speaking, this is my answer to a lot of you when you ask me some questions, I'm sure you, you might recognize this answer. You have to do your best. You know, I get people come and ask me, Shaykh, I'm trying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Is it enough? I don't know. I'm not the judge. The judge will decide on that day. What I do know is that he is Ar-Rahman. And if you try your best, justice would demand that what more could be asked of you. So do your best. Just do your best. Don't lose hope. But don't become overly confident. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq to really make an effort to prepare for that day, for standing before Allah on that day. And may He grant us love and appreciation for our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may He grant us the intercession of 
of him sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala sayyidina Muhammad. Wa أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير